Hi guys, welcome back to the Fight Podcast with Sherry Richmond. Hello, how are you, Jan? And with me, Jan. Hi, how are you? Oh, good. It's nice to have you back. Nice to be back. Today, we're talking about coaching. Coaching? I've heard this story. I don't know whether it's true, but I've heard that even your neighbors in Jerusalem call you coach. <laughs> is that true? Uh, yes. Yes, it is true. It's true also when I go shopping. Uh, People just randomly uh, call you coach? coach yeah. <laughs> Do you have a shirt on that says coach? Is no. it like, how, how does it establish itself that uh, way? I don't know how it happened. <laughs> it's just a random thing that yeah. happened. <laughs> so you're the coach. Even in your, uh, even in not coaches. Uh, uh, with with not coaches, not with everybody, everybody not with everybody, but but close to. Yeah. <laughs> so you land in you land in random places in Europe. They they call you coach. It's coach. it's on your it's on your certificate. <laughs> but um, I think it's important for um, a lot of people to. I've had this struggle in the past between um, <clears throat> understanding the demands are different for someone who wants to become a proper fighter and someone who wants to become a proper coach. Um, and I think there is a lot of difference uh, between the two. Um, and starting off or like starting to distinguish this, how much of a fighter do you think a coach needs to be to be able to coach someone? Do you think someone has to be a top competitor to be to be a good coach? No, he doesn't. Uh, he, uh, he should obviously be a genius in fighting, you know. The coach doesn't have to be the best fighter on the mat. Sometimes he's also older. Mm -hmm. But uh, I know a lot of great fighters who, who can't teach anything to anybody. You know? So it's totally different. Two different things. Coaching and, and fighting is not the same thing. Mm -hmm. I've heard someone, uh, a friend of mine, say that um, he's a trainer as well. He trains a uh, diff uh, different thing. Um, he trains uh, golf at like a national uh, level. And his approach to it is if his um, like if his students don't become better than him at some point, then he's not a good coach to them. That's that's its approach. Uh, How do you see that? I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, I think uh, a coach needs to know how to approach every student, and every every student is very is different. Mm -hmm. So it's not the same approach that will work for. One individual and the same for the second individual. So I think a coach needs to know how to find that and how to work that out. Mm -hmm. And if you have a class with multiple students, if you have like a class with six, 12, whatever, 15 well, then students. Well, you don't have to know how to give a class. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think that's also part of it. Giving a class, I, I give uh, classes where we have different levels, of course. And so we have advanced class or beginner's class. But in all the classes, that even in the advanced or beginners, there's different levels on the mat. Mm -hmm. Or when they give a seminar somewhere around the world, uh, there's way to, uh, very advanced people who come, and then there's beginners who come. Mm -hmm. But I always try to make sure everybody learns something new. And how do you? How is it different to teach a class of multiple people than just one or two people? Like, uh, how do you approach it differently if you have multiple people there? By uh, It's the way you teach it, the way you explain the technique, the dynamic of the class, the speed, the tips you give. Mm -hmm. When it's when it's one on one or two people, it's much more personal. It's easier to uh, go at specific their needs, you know, mm -hmm. to react to to yeah. their needs, not just to to build exactly. the class. Yeah, exactly. Because I've seen you having, um, especially with the with the ICCS program, you have classes pre-built for instructors. Like if you want to, 
if if, if that was your the, the type of if you're not sure how to how to to give a class, you have these very big folders with pre-planned classes. Timetables, yeah. And yeah, timetables. And so these are classes where you're not really reacting to the needs of the yeah, of the students. Well, you, you have them pre-built. No, that's not it's not about that. Look, you have a timetable, okay, from let's say a new student to six months to one year, where do you want him to be? And according mm -hmm. to that, you build the classes. That's one thing. But how to teach it, how to deliver it to each specific person, that's coaching. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about the topic or, or okay, uh, I need to know, he needs to know how to throw a jab, jab, jab cross, whatever, footwork, uh, ground stuff. Okay, that's, that's the timetable. That's what I expect him to be in six months from now. Mm -hmm. How, you know, and then there's, okay, class number one, class number two, but how to actually teach it that the student will actually understand it, that's coaching. Mm -hmm. So you said earlier that the coach doesn't have to be the best fighter on the mat, but then you said uh, he can also be an old guy. So the way that I understand it, you're like, okay, I said this sometimes he's an old guy. Or sometimes. Yeah, it doesn't mean yeah. that he has to be, okay, sure. Yeah. But uh, so your approach is he doesn't have to be in top shape, but he should be, he should understand fighting the best. Oh, on the he mat. should be a genius in it for sure. But not only understand fighting, Yeah, it's one thing to understand fighting. That what makes a good fighter. Mm -hmm. but understand how to give that knowledge to someone else, and how to build uh, someone else, not you. But how to build someone else to make him a great fighter, mm -hmm. him or her. So, like, <clears throat> you don't see this a lot in, uh, let's say, in MMA, but you see it a lot in Krav or, or uh, self-defense programs. And I think it's so ridiculous. You have these people who make seminars, and all they do is show how cool they could do their moves, like gun disarming. <laughs> I mean, it has a lot of views on YouTube or whatnot. You know, look at this. How do and first of all, their moves are total bullshit. You know, of course. But second of all, I mean, a guy's paying seminars for what to see how cool you are. What did he learn at the end? He got mm. a picture with you, maybe for Facebook. why should he or she pay for it? Yeah, yeah, for the picture at the end, probably. But they didn't learn anything, and yeah. maybe because they can't teach anything. You know. But that's not the point. The point is not to show how what I could do. I already did what I could do. Now it's my turn to show you what you could do and to help you get what you want to get doing, you know? Mm -hmm. So I make sure if I do a seminar, everybody comes out with something new. Mm -hmm. And with experience, okay, you have different levels on the mat. But if you walk around the mat and you actually care about what's going on around you, you'll mm -hmm. and you have experience coaching, you'll see the difference in the level really quickly. Mm -hmm. Just from the first drill, shadow boxing drill, you already see more or less level of people. So you might do like a, a something might, to scan the level yeah, first. Yeah, exactly. And then you might give, you know, you know, you show the technique and then you go, you walk around, you give people specific tips for what they need, you know. Mm -hmm. some Someone is good with one tip, someone at a higher level, go with another tip. Mm -hmm. But everybody could always learn something and, you know, people say, how do you separate beginners from advanced? Well, everybody needs to work the basics all the time. Mm-hmm. If you're advanced or if you're a beginner, you have to work the basics all the time because the basics, fundamentals, never change, and that's the most important part of, of, of all fighting. That's what, that's what makes them fundamentals and basics. Exactly, yeah. and, and uh, I tell people sometimes, you know, how do you know when you you did enough of the fundamentals and you can move on to something like uh, more advanced? You say, how, or how do you know? Well, when you get to a point when all you want to do is basics, then you know that you can move on because a lot of people say, hey, you show me the cool stuff. You know, or show me this choke. Or do, I don't even know the names that, that people have today for different things. I don't really care about that stuff. Say, listen, dude, you can't even know. How, you don't even know how to put your body weight on a person mm -hmm. correctly. You don't even know how to transition. 
without the person escaping. What what do you want to do these crazy moves for? Because you saw it on YouTube, mm-hmm. and I think that's one of the problems with uh with bad coaching. Is you know, hey, let me show you this cool move because I know this cool move. Mm. Let um, me show you how cool I am. Yeah, yeah. but okay, it's a cool move. The guy can't even walk yet. What is he going to help him? <laughs> yeah. So if you have this issue, you 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 have different levels. You take something to a class where you think it's appropriate to teach this and you learn or you notice, okay, this is above the level. How do you approach now? First of all, you have different levels, but okay, take a combination, like a, I don't know, one, two, three, jab, cross hook. Mm-hmm. You could do that from level zero until a person who's doing it for 20 years already and they can still learn something new. Mm-hmm. They can still learn something new with the rhythm With the with the with the levels with the distance, it doesn't matter. So there's always something you know uh, to be learned, and a good fighter also knows that. Hey, I can learn something from anybody, and I could always learn something new. The point where it comes where you think you know it all, you're probably going to stop learning, and, you, and you're going to stay stuck where you are, or you're going to get worse. Because mm-hmm. the truth is, there is no situation where you get get stuck. You either get better or you're getting worse. That's how I see it. Okay, so you better be the one who's always making sure you're getting better. Why do you think someone gets worse at that point? Because uh, a person is like a fruit. Once it's ripe, it's rotten. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's very true. Because they stop sparring? Or Because they stop, they think they know it all, and people around them are keeping training, getting better, better. If someone else is getting better and you're st- stuck where you are, you're getting worse mm-hmm. compared to him. Mm-hmm. So that's getting worse right there. So always strive to get better in everything you do, mm-hmm. especially fighting. So you you know you said that these basics can still be reworked, especially with people who are um, who are further along. So you would say, okay, rather do basics than notice that you kind of overdid your uh, your estimation of, of of the skill. You gotta be a, uh, you gotta be a genius at the basics. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, simple equals genius in fighting. Not like crazy amazing moves. Also, look at any fight. Yes, sometimes you see you know, crazy knockouts. You know, flying this, flying that. Whatever. You see that. But how many times you see that compared to just a normal domination of a fight or a normal knockout? Mm-hmm. Because people are working the basics over and over and over again. So yeah, you could throw a jab. I could throw a jab. It's not the same jab. You could throw an armbar. I could, you know, armbar. I could do an armbar. Let's say where this guy could do an armbar. It's not, it's not the same armbar. I mean, it, it looks the same. But it's not the feeling, it's the timing. You know, I don't know anything about music, but I assume, you know, he plays Beethoven, he plays Beethoven. It's not the same, right? Mm-hmm. There's a difference. It's the same exact thing. The confidence, the, the security. Everything, yeah. the experience. Mm-hmm. It's the feeling, you know? When are you good enough to, to take a submission? When you know it or when you feel it? You well, can think about it. Exactly. Because then you take too long. you don't have to think about it, mm-hmm. right? The same thing when... When do you know that you're good enough with, with distance management and, and sparring or striking? Well, you don't have to think about it. It mm-hmm. just happens because you can manage the distance. Mm-hmm. And you know it could only happen, you can only manage the distance when you work the basics over and over and over again because you know what, that's a basic thing. And do that under pressure as well, yeah. Exactly. So there's always uh, something to learn on every level all the time. Mm-hmm. So your idea is to drill a lot of these things, but the important thing now is As a coach, you have to do the thing that you have been doing uh, automatically. You have to think about it to teach it. 
what's your approach to I breaking to this down? How to teach? No, I mean, if you're, um, if you said, okay, I have this idea of distance management. I know exactly at which distance I, I'm in the hot zone. I can fight here. I have to keep here. This is secure. This is not. Um, you do this automatically, but at some point now you start to to teach people this, and now you have to think about these things because you have to teach them. You have to right. break them down. Right. How do you approach breaking these things down? First of all, I I, I call it um, breaking it down to baby babble. So you break it down to the most simple way you could actually think about it. Because mm -hmm. sometimes a person, a coach, or any any uh, like a, a, athlete of the sport, especially martial arts, if he does it for a long time, to him it comes really easy. Mm -hmm. So he understands how it works, but the fact that you understand how it works doesn't mean that someone else understands how it works. So you can say, yo, do this, do that. Okay, let's go. Three, two, one, boom, move. Mm -hmm. probably, probably if you have 30 people in the class, 20 understood, 10 didn't. Mm -hmm. So, But if you break it down to as many baby babble, that's why I call it, because there's as many details as possible there's no room for interpretation there's, yeah there's yeah. no room for like mistakes so let's say okay I'll give you an example from right now in this room okay so you're standing next to me and there's a water bottle right mm -hmm. I could tell you hey Jan pass me the water bottle okay you could understand that I could say Jan look to your right you'll see a water bottle reach out with your right hand pick up the water bottle turn to me towards your left okay hand me the water bottle so now there's no room for a mistake mm -hmm. you see that's how you should be te teaching Especially beginners at first, right? Of course, mm -hmm. advanced people, you know that they know. If you know that they know, get to know your students, obviously. If you know that they know, you go really fast. It's a lot of Especially fun. if you taught them before, yeah. Exactly, because you know you know, their, you know their ability, you know they understand. If it's something new, you'll stay at it for longer. But if mm -hmm. it's not something new, but it's just a new way of, a new approach of looking at something, or a new, you know, but it's already off of the old move. So yeah, just go fast, you know. Mm -hmm. You don't have to break it down because they already know. But beginners, you got to break it down. Mm -hmm. And another thing is... <clears throat> A lot of people, especially beginners, because they don't know you yet, or if you're like a big seminar and you come and you're like, oh, this guy, you know, he's coming from another country, he's whatever, famous, they'll embarrass to ask you questions, mm -hmm. right? So even if you, you end and you say, hey, anybody have any questions, they're just embarrassed to say, I didn't understand. So uh, you break it down to the most simple as possible, the bigger chances they'll understand. So even asking the question won't really reveal if there's still room left for the only thing for that error. the only thing that we reveal if there's room left is by having them practice. Mm -hmm. Okay, you should watch them. Yeah, watch them. If they if they got it wrong, then a good chance you taught it wrong. Mm -hmm. So let's say one guy got it wrong, maybe he didn't understand. Second guy got it wrong, but if you see three people repeating the same mistake, so as a coach, it was your mistake when you were explaining it. Mm -hmm. So stop the class. You don't have to repeat the whole technique, but just repeat that little part where they made the mistake. And it happens all the time. It happens to me too, all the time. So just, you know, put a little detail on that, a little emphasis on whatever that mistake was. Okay, keep going. Let's keep working. Yeah, I think especially in these where there's a lot of technique, it's very dangerous for people with this ego issue because there's a lot of room for um, claiming, okay, this is not my fault or even further, um, you can get away with not being able to perform the technique yourself because you're like, ah, it just doesn't work because you're not me. And this is where this is the difference I was saying between before. You know, I could show, hey, look, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this. Yeah, but I'm not you, mm -hmm. right? What works for me, not necessarily going to work for someone else. I realize that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, personally, I'm, I'm, you know, I was lucky enough to be born. This is true. Very strong physically. I think that every time, uh, at least as far as I can remember, 
every time I grappled someone, I was always a physically the stronger person. I don't, unless when I was a child and they were much older. But I don't remember, since I'm a teenager, pretty much, I don't remember one time in my life, I, I don't remember grappling a person who was physically, there's a lot of people who were technically better than me, yeah, but physically stronger than me, I don't remember that, that maybe once or twice, I, I can't mm -hmm. remember. Mm -hmm. It happened, I don't remember. You told so, this is okay. so I could get away with stuff that I do. I could allow myself stuff because I understand body mechanics and I rely on. I could rely, you know, on strength too. It's not a bit. It's not. It's not a bad thing. Once you understand mm -hmm. body mechanics, it's a good thing. It's a tool that I could use, but it's not something I have to teach someone else mm -hmm. because that works for me. Doesn't work. So what do you want to show? How cool you are? How strong you are? It's not that what they're there for. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're teaching someone who weighs less than you. Which doesn't have that physical strength. Okay, what do you have? You have speed. You have flexibility. Let's work over that. Of course, you try to get everybody stronger, everybody more flexible, everyone more fast on their own level, what they could do. But a person who was born so fast, so explosive, chances are that you could work all your life. You're not going to be as fast, as explosive as him. Mm -hmm. If he trains or if he doesn't train, he becomes a couch potato. That's his problem. But people who train. But you could be much faster and much more explosive than you were at the beginning. And then you have your advantages over him, for sure. It mm -hmm. could be your size, it could be your reach, it could be your intelligence. And the coach has to find that and make a, a plan for you as a person, how would you, I would make you the best fighter I could make. Mm -hmm. We talked about this in one of the last episodes that you said that your fighters, um, even though they're technically very good, it's still something where you, you have a lot of emphasis on making them strong opponents. So even if there's like a, uh, not a lack in, in technique, but if there's like a, If they're on the same level, they still have the strength for them, which is yeah. in, in combination with aggression, which just turns the tides. So this is something you talked about where you're like, you, you lay a lot of emphasis on, on being strong for a fight because I'm a, an important I'm thing. A, a, but it's not the only strategic not, element. Not the only thing yeah. at all, but I'm a, as another tool, as another tool, I'm a very big believer in, in, in strength. Mm -hmm. And it, it, look, it, it proves itself over and over again. Yeah. And people say, ah, you know, you're using too much strength. What are you going to do about it? You know? Well, what are you going to do? This is a fight now. Eh? You, you beat me, but you were using strength. So I still won. Use yeah. your technique. So <laughs> you, you can use both. Me? Yeah. What? What is? It? I mean, when I see someone who's advanced, if someone's really wild, and he's a beginner, <clears throat> and then an advanced guy says, "Man, you're so wild," you know, you could give that to him as a as like, "Hey, listen, man, do this, this. I'll, I'll try to make you better." But you beat me because you're strong. I mean, come on. What are you? Are you joking? I thought you were professional. So what if I'm strong? Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, I think physical strength is a great thing. Not enough, only that, but it could be another tool. You know, and again, that's like someone's born uh, fast. Someone could be born really strong. So maybe he has that advantage over you, but you should be the strongest you could be. That's my emphasis on, on my students. I'm not like, let's be, you know, world's strongest man. But no, whatever you were born with, use to the 100% potential. So be as strong as you could be for your size, for whoever you are. Not as strong as I could be or as strong as anybody else, but just as strong. If you're going to be as strong as you could be, you're automatically stronger than average. Mm -hmm. That's what I try to do with him. Mm -hmm. I think there's one big exception to this thing, which is sparring. Because that's something, especially with beginners, when they have a lot of, a lot of strength, be it on the ground, be it boxing. Um, sometimes, especially with grappling, the, the issue is... Um, that people don't really know how to behave on the ground and they, they might do uncontrolled so, things yeah, with a lot so of strength. You, so you're slowing down and say, yeah. listen, you know, you're being wild, understandably, maybe you don't know anything. Mm -hmm. Let me show you. 
let me show you. Mm-hmm. And then you correct him. But you're not doing that from a, a point of weakness. You're doing it from a point of strength. It's, you know, I felt you really strong, you really wild. You know, I still beat you. You know how I beat you? A, B, C. Mm-hmm. But if you just get upset for losing because you guys are using strength, come on. What if it wasn't in the street? In the street? You're going to say, oh, he's strong. I couldn't mm-hmm. use my technique. Well, if your technique is not working against a very strong man, then your technique ain't good. Yeah, I'm just thinking about boxing, for instance, where yeah. if you if you go full, go full force, oh, no, especially in the beginning, not. it's it's dangerous. It, yeah, so you don't be stupid. Hmm. Don't be stupid. Don't don't try to kill your training partner. <laughs> don't try to take his head off with the punch. What are you doing? Why are you doing that? <laughs> and also, you said that I have to call call you all on this. You said, okay, I have to be very um, or simplicity is is genius here. Um, One thing that you you often say, especially with grappling or with uh, wrestling, you say you have to be able to flow. And with flowing comes a lot of knowledge about body mechanics and different techniques because otherwise you can't flow. So how would you approach this whole thing? Because you can't, of course, you you do a lot of um, top position training, like how how do I keep the position rather than submissions? But how would you how would you teach someone to flow in these in these uh, over, over time? Over time, it's still simple. There's no contradiction. Mm-hmm. Simple doesn't mean short. I never said short bridge version. I never said that. I said simple. Right? The flowing is relatively simple once you have a good coach to explain it to you. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, you're trying to do one move. He's resisting 100%. He doesn't let you do that move. So instead of, you know, fighting it, uh, fighting, a, a, you know, fire with fire, so yeah, use water, like, you know, be water, you know, and just <laughs> move on to something. That's flowing. Yeah, it's still simple. So it's it's about the concept of flow, yeah. not being able to flow between these different oh, positions. Being able to flow. The idea yeah, of no, flowing. it's about being able to flow, and mm-hmm. it's for its train. It's not that it's, <clears throat> it's not that you learn it in a week, mm-hmm. but the concept is simple. Just have someone show it to you correctly. No one says short short yeah. versions of anything don't work. You just said uh, be like water. I've noticed this thing with especially with I coaches said it for it's a famous. No, 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 no. I mean, I, I, but. I, I, I noticed this weird trend with people who teach fighting where they always I'm talk about trendy. cups okay. and waters. I, it's don't, like, I don't talk and about cups and water. What are you, what are you <laughs> it's like liquid here and cup is half full and the cup is too full and whatever. I, I have know, to keep this out. I don't know out. what kind of uh, instructors you Where meet. does this come from? <laughs> I don't know what kind of instructors you meet. I've never heard anybody say that. <laughs> really, I never. Be never? Like, be, be like a cup of water? What are you no, not about? be like a cup of water, but especially with like training, they're like, okay. I never heard But that. if the cup I is already know. full, we have to. If anybody of you listening ever heard that, please. Uh, he's right in the note. <laughs> I think, I think he's, uh, he's hearing things. <laughs> I, I've just noticed the trend. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying trend? that it's the correct thing to do. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. but especially on. with coaching they're like yeah you have you have to you have to drop all of the water out of the cup so you can refill it with an, with the good water and it's like this whole thing where they have this metaphor I've, I've heard this a lot of it. times okay so I don't yeah. know where <laughs> so if we talk about coaching what do you think makes a good coach a genius coach what 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 should a coach look to improve on on his part I have to uh, a good coach is a one who's able to show someone Well, first of all, go down to the level of the student, see it through his eyes, through the student's eyes, not through your eyes as whoever or how much experience you, you have. So go down under the level means to, to approach it, it from an angle without it. Yeah. Yeah. Try to see it as, as the student sees it. Mm-hmm. Try to understand the, the body, the mechanics of the student you're teaching, what will work, what will not work for him, and then work from there. That's a, that's a really good coach. And of mm-hmm. course, caring a lot about your students is also a good coach. Mm-hmm. I know we don't for not ego or anything. You put you put the students first, their needs, not how cool I could be. 
all know that will make a good coach. Mm -hmm. And if you look at uh, a group of, let's say, 12 people, you teach them something, but then there's these things where you, you notice these kind of things just work for someone who's a taller person or someone who's shorter, but you have a, a course that's not only different in skill, but also in, in shape. And how do you approach these things? Do you just t teach them one-on-one, -on -one, no, no, these simply, things? Or? Simply because the basic stuff, that's what you got, you know, you keep on doing the basics. The basic stuff are, uh, everybody has to know. Mm -hmm. Everybody has to know, you know, distance, footwork, rolling, right? Slipping, ducking, the older punches, whatever, the positions on the ground, the positions are on stand-up in the clinch. That everybody needs to know because mm -hmm. that's the basic stuff. Whether, and then... It's more the more individual part is you know here what out of this tools that everybody knows what works best for you. Mm -hmm. Okay, you're tall, so you know dodging will work better for you, right? You know you're stocky and short. You know hey you know you're getting there get get on those legs get that double leg you know use your body weight that works better for you. So you show them everything, yeah, but tall, then you tell them this is better for you. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. But it's not like listen you don't have to do this because you're tall. That's or nonsense. Mm -hmm. First of all, everybody should know everything. And second of all, you have to know it because you have to fight against people who do use this stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So understanding it is, as you said, it's the first part. It's, it's intelligence. You need it to, to be able to defend against it. For sure. Mm -hmm. And also with, um, with uh, let's say you're not, or th something you do a lot with boxing, for instance, is Uh, you have these drills, you have these like pad drills, you have combinations you strike. But if you have a group of people, how do you approach fight strategy? Because there's certain things you can't do. Again, the same thing. A fight strategy for a group of people is the basic stuff, the fighting principles that are, never change. Never change. So that's, it fits everybody, aggression, right distance, snapping a punch, head movement, body movement, leg, leg work, you know, uh, uh, body weight, all those stuff don't change for anybody. Mm -hmm. Then out of that, yeah, listen, people will pick what, what you know, everybody has a go-to move, right? You know what I mean? Like everybody has a move that they like to do. Mm -hmm. If I would ask you, okay, hey, uh, you know, right, you do uh, a lot of ground fighting. Okay, out of all the positions, what's, let me ask you a question. Out of mm -hmm. all the submissions, what's the one you like to do most? Out of submissions? Yeah, out of submissions on the ground. What's the one that you, what's your mm -hmm. favorite? I think, um, Either getting the back, like rear uh -huh. naked chokes, those are pretty good. Okay, so you like getting the back. That's your mm -hmm. go-to thing, right? So you love it and you're good at it, you get the back, but it doesn't mean you don't know anything else, mm -hmm. right? But that's, that's, so that's how it works. So it's the same with boxing. Same you, with that, yeah. You, you, you appreciate this punch, but you should be able to do of everything. Of course, of course. Mm -hmm. But there are certain things that don't really make sense for, for certain fighters, right? So you, you just tell them, okay... We're going to train this as, as the group, but... it might make sense also down the road. Because, okay, you're tall, right? Mm -hmm. Who is to say you're not going to fight a guy your height? Yeah, when you're only the last tall person left in the world, you're going to tell me? <laughs> yeah. So, okay, yeah, you know what? When you spar, most of the guys here are shorter than you. So you use your jab more, you can control the distance easier, you know, and then it's good for you because you're getting used to working with people who go to the body and then come over to the top because you're tall, right? Mm -hmm. Then what happens is six months from now, you want to compete and there's a guy your, your height and you never worked uh, that because you don't need to, she's going to knock you out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you have to work everything all the time. Who's With to say you're the tallest or the strongest or the shortest? There's always someone who's at least your height, at least your strength. Mm -hmm. Always. Mm -hmm. You um, said that you still spar. Yeah. Do you spar with your students? Of course. Why not? How frequently do you do that? We spar every day. So they're pretty used to... 
do, do you fight with a very low pressure? Do you do you do hard sparring? What's what's the goal with this? Well, I'm not a big believer in hard sparring. Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes it goes a little harder because boys will be boys, but sparring is just like right. It's like it's something it's, you have to keep it sharp all the time. Mm -hmm. If you don't do, it's like cottage cheese. It spoils if you stop. You have to spar all the time. You have to mm -hmm. stay sharp. So like it's shooting, just it's shooting, mostly technical sparring, right? Shooting is the same thing. You know, you have to shoot all the mm -hmm. time. Stay sharp. Yeah, it's technical sparring. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it gets again. Sometimes it can get a little harder. You know how how competitor people could be. Mm -hmm. But normally, no. It's about it's just about consistency. Sparring every single day. There's not a day goes by that's not sparring in the gym. Mm -hmm. And you just said for ground fighting, for instance, you have the, had the solution where you said, okay, I can still beat you like this, but I would show you how to approach this more technically. And especially when you have beginners in for striking, boxing yeah. class. So, yeah, right. uh, so it very, very much depends because it could be dangerous. Mm. If I feel that someone's being dangerous, uh, like I'm not telling anybody how to, how to do their stuff, but sometimes, you know, a warning shot would go out, but usually towards the body. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, boom. Breathe, relax. There you go. Sit down for a few minutes. But that's how we do it. I'm not saying how other people should do it, you know. Mm -hmm. And then, hey, you know, you're going hard. You got to go a little easier. Mm -hmm. But getting pissed off at someone, if you're advanced, and then you get pissed off at someone who's going hard and he's a beginner, then you're you're, you're doing it wrong. Because mm -hmm. he's not really threatening you, is he? Say, man, take it easy. You know, take it easy. Go slower. You know, and if he doesn't want to take it easy, he's not, he's not being an asshole. He's just nervous. If he's being an asshole, okay, so hit him. But this usually is not the case. It's the guy's nervous. Mm -hmm. So if you're good, you could you, what, you can't weather the storm. Of course you could. Uh, so th there's a difference between people doing that out of ego to be like, okay, I've I've hit the the instructor, and then there's people who are just nervous and they react. They I've never had someone in my gym who tried to hit me out of ego to say he could hit the instructor. I've mm -hmm. never had that. Mm -hmm. I I know beginners can get nervous. If you get, and you know what happens, you get hit and your ego is like, oh, he hit me. I have to hit him back harder because I'm an instructor. Well, you're a bad instructor. You're a very bad instructor. Mm -hmm. If a guy tries to hurt you, he's not your student, obviously. He's someone from the outside, so hurt him. But your student's trying to hurt you. I don't see that. I don't, I don't, something went wrong in your class if that happens. Mm -hmm. I've seen that happen, but those people usually you just you just kick them out afterwards. But it's still something where, especially when they train with some of your students as well, and you see that there's this ego issue, and they start sparring more harder because uh, there's this idea of okay, um, I have to protect my ego. I was just hit or something. That's something that is dangerous to the students as well. I so there, it's, kind of it's ridiculous in my eyes. You just got hit. Well, good, learn from it. Mm -hmm. I spar like we say. I spar every day. There's not a day that goes by where I don't get hit. Mm -hmm. Of course you get hit. Okay, then think about why you got hit and fix it. The guy's hitting you. He's doing you a favor by hitting you. Mm -hmm. showing you. He's showing you your weak points when you're open. So, well, if you, don't, you know, if you don't get hit ever, either you're working with people who are way, way, way lower than your level, and then you're getting worse, like we said in the beginning. Okay, or you're not really sparring. I didn't say spar hard, we spar light. But of course you're going to get hit. Mm -hmm. It's part of the fun. And for being able to give this personalized feedback that you, that we talked about now, um, what do you think is like a, a size of a, of a class that you think is appropriate to, to be able to do that? For one instructor? For one instructor, yeah. One instructor, depending on his, depending on his experience. Mm -hmm. A beginner instructor, I would say 10 to 15 people. Mm -hmm. An advanced instructor, you could handle 30 people. 
<laughs> if you know how to structure a class, if you know how to put them in the classroom as pairs, you know, as, as partners, if you know how to do that, and you know where to stand, it's called instructor's position, you could easily easily control 30 people. Mm-hmm. I've done I've done way more than that. I've done 50, 60 people in classes too. I've seen you talk about this, especially with the with the instructor courses, um, where you talk about instructor's position. Could you talk about like what what is it? What why do you think it's important, and how do you keep focusing on it? Something, yeah, you know, you have to teach it in an instructor course. It's part of the it's part of the tools. You can't give an instructor only technique, right? I mean, it's how to how to teach. That's what he's there for. Mm-hmm. If someone comes to an instructor course. I would like to believe that he already has the technique, and that's what he's doing in the course. Mm-hmm. You know, but uh, no, it's how to teach, and part of how to teach is instructor's position, you know, where he's supposed to stand, how uh, his voice is supposed to be, how to set up the class in front of you. I mean, how to position the students, how to explain the technique, um, how to treat students. You know, all those things go into that instructor's position class. Mm-hmm. Also, there's uh, a responsibility that you have. I've I've heard you talk about how to check for injuries. That that's the thing you have to do very commonly because either in 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 the beginning of the class to check if there's people who are injured, uh, you have to keep an eye out for these kind of things. Right. And also in between because someone might get injured during a uh, yeah. during an, an an exercise. Well, with experience, you 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 get to identify injuries pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can see this is a dangerous thing, or you can. Or you can well, just see, okay, this hurts. This is something we have to look at. The thing is, uh, you know, everything that goes on in your classroom is uh, it's your responsibility. So if mm-hmm. someone's hurt, you should definitely know about it. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean he has to stop training. You know, in most cases, okay, it hurts. What? Big deal. Keep going. Mm-hmm. But maybe he's really injured. And you talked about the, the position of the of the uh, coach. But also, I think that's something where some fighters who just start teaching struggle with. How do you structure a class? Because if you just start being like, I've seen this a lot, especially with grappling, where people you come in, they're like, "Okay, we'll do just some some like jumping, some 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 drilling to warm up," and then they just jump in. They just talk about, "Okay, there's this position we just got caught here. Okay, now we do these three options," and it, you're just in there. But that's not a, a way you can, especially someone who isn't used to that kind of uh, like rhythm, uh, will be overwhelmed by that. How do you build a class? It's an advanced class. So it's really easy because you know you could actually actually jump in because mm-hmm. they, they they know how to warm up they know a lot of you know a lot of previous techniques so you could they could jump in easy but if mm-hmm. it's a normal class a beginner's class for a instance, beginner's yeah. class um, I recommend you do what's called rehearsal and connection that means um, if you have a main topic whatever the main topic may be so I'm assuming that the last week. If you're working with a structure, everybody should work with a structure. It's also, mm-hmm. it's also easier for you as an instructor. Students like it more. And uh, so it's all good. So rehearsal connection is basically connecting the last class to this class. So, hey, guys, last class we did boom, boom, boom. Review mm-hmm. it even. You don't even have to go. You don't have to, re- you don't have to break that down to baby babble, but you review it. And then you let them do it for like 10 minutes even fast. And then go on to the main topic. You see that the main topic will be easier for them to understand because mm-hmm. what you think everybody remembers, you'd be surprised. Nobody remembers because you do it every day. They do it once a week. It might be seven days ago, yeah. yeah. And also, uh, you know, you think about it all the time. They don't. They think about Netflix, right, or other, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then uh, also, you might have a student who missed last class. So if you're in the middle of a topic, and then he missed last class, and you just go into the main topic, 
he might be missing an important detail. He might be missing an important principle mm -hmm. for what you're doing now. But if you do rehearsal and connection, so even if he doesn't get it 100%, at least he saw what he did last class, he remembers the, the main principles. Okay, let's move forward. Mm -hmm. It'd be easier for you as an instructor to uh, to teach him. He'll be he'll become way more teachable that way. Mm -hmm. So it's important to, to um, kind of do a, a re- um, Revaluation re of what you did, but like a more um, condensed one. It's yeah, like a, like for a connection. If the main mm -hmm. topic out of an hour and a half is 40 minutes or 35 minutes, for, for example, rehearsal connection is 10 to 12 minutes. Mm -hmm. But at least, hey, this is what we did last time. Remember the principles? Remember what we did? Let's, let's do it really quick again, a few minutes. Whatever, you know, uh, yeah, you walk through the class, you see that they remember everything, like it's moving on. Mm -hmm. But then if a new guy come in or a guy who missed last class, oh, that's the rehearsal. Okay, so we did that last week. Okay, so he doesn't have enough uh, as, as the same amount of training time that people who came to class last week, but at least he, did, he didn't miss it, so he doesn't feel missed out, which is important. And then also, whatever you're going to teach now, if it's connected to that, it's going to be easier for you to teach. Mm -hmm. If you say your course this week has to build upon what you did last week, for instance, um, then this means, do you divide your classes into this is grappling, this is resting, this is striking? Because if you do striking, it can't really be build up yes, on the grappling uh, of last uh, week. Back... Back in my gym, we divide according to days. Mm -hmm. We do. So Tuesday might be grappling day, for instance. Why else? It's actually stand-up day, but yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I didn't want to fuck it up. <laughs> but yeah, you divide it by day, so uh, someone who was there on Tuesday can look forward and to it's the being... same topic. I mean, look, uh, training is five, six days a week, right? <laughs> Let's say. So if it's Sunday, is stand-up day, and Monday is ground day, and Tuesday is stand-up day, mm -hmm. I do the same thing. I did on Sunday and Tuesday, mm -hmm. or very very similar, at least the same topic. So it's it's so that way students will actually learn something and get better. If you do one thing and then you, you only touch it again, who knows when they they forgot? They don't you know you got to build the, the foundations, fundamentals, and that's how you do it mm -hmm. by going over and over again. It, it could be the same exact technique, but from another angle, or another, another entry, rhythm, for instance, another yeah. entry, mm -hmm. it's going to be a whole new interesting class. Mm -hmm. And the students will love it and love you for it, because you you go into the same technique, so you get like um, this rehearsal and connection. You, you you get more grooved in. You you get to know these techniques better, but you also get more approaches to it. So it's a completely new thing, but still you rehearse the thing. And I think that's important because, as you said, or as we said earlier, um, if you have to think about it, it's not going to work, um, exactly. especially against a, a, exactly. an opponent on your exactly. level. There is, I don't I don't believe there's a boring topic in. In fighting and martial arts, at mm -hmm. least that not I have seen. But there's a Borg instructor, that's mm -hmm. for sure. If the instructor, or the coach knows how to teach, he knows how to. He really likes what he does, and he does it with enthusiasm, and he believes in what he does. It's interesting to listen to him. I think that every topic in the world, if you actually have a lot of passion for it, mm -hmm. talk to someone about any topic that he loves and he has passion. He makes it interesting. Mm -hmm. Even if it's like uh, something really boring, you know, because mm -hmm. you're just like, wow, this guy has passion for it. It makes it interesting. But if you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, so it, even if you told me the most inter interesting thing in the world, mm. people automatically stop listening to you because you're boring. If that person is a little charismatic, because um, <laughs> I've seen people, especially in university, talk about stuff they were passionate about. I didn't get it. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, get the, I get the approach. I don't remember that from my Harvard days. <laughs> <laughs> the medical uh, yeah. school Harvard well, days whatever <laughs> no I think it's it's important to have a passion for it because if you just do it for the money or if it's just a, a job if it's a chore 
then it doesn't feel people notice when you're not interested in 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 the, in the session you're giving. People notice and they become less motivated to do it. Exactly. Uh, do you for for um how would you how many classes do you give uh, on a on a normal day? Me personally mm. or you you personally? Oh, it changes, but uh, I don't know quite a lot. Yeah. So you keep this motivation up for like five classes or something? I keep it up forever and ever. And uh, it's not only about motivation. I'm not always motivated. I always have discipline. Mm -hmm. And I always take my students seriously. So uh, I'm, I, any, any class I teach, I always have a goal. This, the goal never changes. I want the class to be the best class I ever gave in my life. Even if it's two people or 50 people, it don't matter. I say to myself, this is going to be the best class I ever gave in my life. And it's not always the best class I ever gave in my life, obviously. But that's the intention. But if that's the intention, your classes will always be good. Mm -hmm. Have you ever um, had this, this thing where um, if you give the same topic, but you give a different approach to it, um, And there's new people um, in in that class. Like uh, you, you have this one entry to to like a, a leg lock, and then a couple of days you do a different one. Do you explain or do you do the rehearsal and connect and remind them this is how we did it before? I to I do, to I do the rehearsal and connection at least on the leg lock itself as mm -hmm. on the finished product, and at least uh, or at least on the on the principles of the leg lock mm -hmm. or that specific one. It mm -hmm. much, it's just much easier to teach a, the, the next entry that way. Mm -hmm. So every time you go into these techniques, you also give like the context of when it makes sense to apply those and how different angles could be possible to, to land in, in one or the same technique. Yeah. yeah, and you know, if you do it again with enthusiasm and you like what you do and the students like to listen to you, it's never boring. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Are there more, more things you would recommend trainers to refrain from? Are there some, some more points you want to throw out there? Uh, just saying, man. You know, you gotta love what you do. You gotta love what you do. You gotta love your students. You gotta care, and you gotta go down, and try to see it through their eyes. Not how you know what a badass you are, but how he could do it or she could do it. <laughs> and then you'll also understand how to give that person a kind of a personal way. <laughs> you know. So yeah. Okay, I think that's it. That's that's a good approach. Thank you. Let's wrap this up. Sharia, thank you for, for coming today. Thank you for having me. And see or hear you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.